You know, the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt and wandered through the desert and, you know, stuffed their faces with quail so they were vomiting it out and, you know, eating the manna and so on, and, and they came to the promised land. And Moses gets 12 spies and says, go and have a look. Tell us what the land's like, what we need to do to take this and so on. And they wandered in the land and they discovered that it was. They came back and the 12 spies gave their report and, and they all agreed on a few things. They all agreed that it was a land flowing with milk and honey, that it was just, there was wealth and riches in there for them, just natural wealth in there. I mean, there's so much wealth in this place that they go and cut a branch of grapes down. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, you know, I've got grapes in the fridge. I bought a, a couple of clusters yesterday and I carry them home in a bag with several other things. So that gives a context about how big... And they were good-sized grapes. I mean, they were actually, you know, decent-sized grapes. But these guys cut off a branch of the grapes <coughs> and they tie it to a pole and it takes two of them to carry it. Now, that's some pretty big grapes. Yeah? You're talking probably a grape almost as big as me. It is. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who are back in Bull Creek days, you can remember Rhea in a pea suit. So pity she's not here just to really rub, put, you know, we called her Super Pea. She used to lead the kids out. I'm sure there's a photo somewhere to pull up somewhere. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, they cut this branch of grapes off, tie it to a pole, and two of them have to carry the pole. That's the wealth and the riches in the land they're going into. And they bring the pomegranates and the figs and all this stuff and they bring it back and, and the people see this abundance of food. And I don't know about you, but if, you know, if I'm walking in a place that's grateful for that, I'm going to get excited. And Caleb and Joshua come back and they're excited. They're going, look, you know, this is just awesome. You know what God promised? This is even better than what we could imagine. This land is awesome. And all 12 of them agree that it's awesome. And Caleb and Joshua say, we can get them and we know what happened. The other 10 went, yeah, but there's some big dudes there. And there's a really key statement at the end of Numbers 13. And it says, And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which came from the giants, and in our own eyes, we were like grasshoppers, and so we were in this. In our own eyes, this is how we saw ourselves, and that's how everyone else saw us as well. In our own eyes, we were just little insignificant grasshoppers there to be trodden on, and so that's how they saw us. You see, they had a choice in that land. They had a choice to go, you know what? We see the goodness that God is providing. He's already set houses out for us to live in. He's already got the fields ready for us to take over. He's provided this abundant harvest of goodness. But they didn't focus on that. They focused on the problem. 
And when you focus on the problem, the problem looks bigger and you look smaller. And so then they started to see themselves in the context of the problem and they started to behave in that way and therefore everyone around them sees them as they are. You know, the challenges in life are going to come. I promise you, you're going to have problems. If you don't have them already, they'll come your way. I can guarantee you that. How do I do that? Because you've already had them. You see, walking with God is not going life is without problems, but how you see yourself in those problems will determine how you come out. I'm talking with a guy at the moment, sort of back and forth, and he's a guy who loves God and is really passionate about him, and he's stepping into what God has for him, but he comes from a pretty shady past. You know, he used to drink a lot. And he had his fair share of women. He's seen the drug scene. He's seen a few things. And you talk with him and he hasn't touched drugs in years. He hasn't been with a woman for years. But he still sees himself in that context. And so when he steps into what God has for him, there's this real hesitancy and he sort of steps forward and then steps back and steps forward and steps back and he's like, I just got to get something to drink, you know, because he's still seeing himself as he was, not as he is. Because he had this amazing salvation encounter and he got saved and his life just cleaned up. And even though he's not back there, he still sees himself back there. And so from time to time, he'll actually go and get drunk because he's still seeing himself back as he was. And it's like, dude, change how you see your life because that's not who you are. But you see, as long as he sees himself in that context and doesn't see himself as washed in the blood, as cleansed, as made pure, he's going to keep stepping back into that old lifestyle and it's going to limit what he can do and how he sees life because that's his view. And that's what Satan's plan is for your life. His plan is to see yourself as your old self. And as long as you keep seeing yourself as your old self, you can't step into what he has for you and you will step into what, he, what God doesn't have for you. You see, it's actually how you see. And this is the Israelites. God's saying, here's this abundance land, but they're still seeing themselves as slaves. They're still seeing themselves as defeated. They're still seeing themselves as under someone else's authority. And so when they came to the giants, they immediately went back to, we are nothing. Because that's what they were in Egypt. And they went back to their old habits. And they gave up on themselves. 
You know, we've heard all this morning that God's put dreams in your life. He's put a vision and a purpose in your life, that he's made you for greatness. But like Rebecca says, there are certain things that you have to do to step into what God has for you. And one of those is you've got to change how you think. How often do you feel like, you know, there's a dream out here that you want to step into and it always feel like it's, it's about a step away from where you are. And if you take a step towards it, it moves a step further away. It's like, I can, I can see the breakthrough there. I can see what needs to occur, but I just can't ever seem to reach it. That's your giant. That gap between you and that thing is your giant. Whether it's you know, need of finances or, or healing or relationships or whatever it is, that's the giant you're facing. And as long as you keep looking at that gap and you keep going, I'm just too far away, I'm just too far away, you'll never step into what you have. Because you're looking with the world's eyes. These guys weren't looking through the eyes of faith. They were looking through the eyes of their experience. And all they saw was, we can't do this. We're under this. These guys are bigger than us. They're more powerful than us. We can't do this. And God's done some amazing stuff on this journey. I mean, he wiped out the Egyptian army. They got to see that. But they still missed what he was doing. In that situation, they missed, they chose not to look at the fruit and the harvest, they chose to look at the problem. And as long as you look at the problem, you're defeated. I love what Jesse Duplantis says. God didn't ask you to pay for it, he just asked you to believe for it. Think about that. God didn't ask you to pay for it. He asked you to believe it. He was, tells a story of, you know, when he first started in ministry, he was driving this old Toyota. He said he used to take 10 gallons of fuel and he couldn't afford to fill it up. Yeah, you know, tires are all bald. And he would drive from town to town preaching in places and, and he said he was broke as and he was driving past the airport one day and he says this, this Learjet, corporate jet comes in and was landing. And he sort of looks up and sees it and he says, hey, God spoke straight in his spirit and he says, that's how you'll travel in your ministry one day. You'll have one of those. And he's just got so excited. And he rocks into this next church that he's going to and he goes up to the pastor and they're, they're chatting away. And he says, you know what God just said to me? He says, you know, he says one day I'm going to have this corporate jet and be flying around preaching in places. And he said, the guy just laughed at him. He says, you can't even afford to fill up your car. Because that's how Satan works. When God speaks to you, he will come and try and steal the word. And the Bible says immediately. And he'll often use those that you think you can trust and should support you to do that. Because they don't have your vision. You know what, right now, Jesse Duplantis is flying around in his jet. He says, the funny thing is, he said, that guy never comes in my plane. He says, I don't want doubt in my plane. <laughs> He's asked me a few times. No, I'm not taking him on my plane. He's got doubt. I need faith in my plane. But you see, someone is going to be upset with what God has for you. 
Someone is going to have a go at what God has for you. You share your dream, there'll be some people who support it. There's going to be some people who look at you and go, you don't need that. Why would you want that? You can't have that. You can't afford that. That's not going to happen with you. That's not how it works. And so you let go of your dream. That's what Satan wants to do, is to have you let go of your dream, to let go of your purpose. Because you see, your dream and your purpose is linked to what God wants to do through you and to change lives around you. Because if you step into your dream and your purpose, you start to discover who you are in God, and then you start to tell other people. And they start to either get offended or get right with God. That's how it works. Have you ever found that? People either get on board or they'll speak out against you. An offence is powerful. So I would encourage you, don't walk in offence because offence will cut God's blessing. It's offence. It's a stopping point. It's something you don't go through. So get offence out of your life because it's a barrier it's stopping you to step into what God has for you. But let me tell you that to step into what God has for you is going to take discipline. It's going to take work. It's going to take effort and you're going to have to push through. And that's when most people let go because they see the giant not the promise. And they go, I mean, the amount of people that I talk to about things like, you know, they come and say, look, can you help us with our finances? Or we do it as part of marriage counselling, all those things. We go through their finances and we talk about it and we look at it. And, you know, I know that most people, when they walk out of the room, actually won't do what we talked about. There's some awesome people in this room that do. Love yous. But I know that most people won't do it because, you see, it requires them to change how they handle their life. It actually takes a little bit of humility to go, I've been stuffing it up to this point and I need to change. And nobody really likes humility, right? Humility is not fun, is it? You know, having to go and humble yourself and say sorry to somebody, that's not something you live for, right? You know, having to go, having to admit to yourself that you've messed something up all of your life is not a great thing to discover, is it? Yeah? And so people get offended. And they reject. And then 10 years down the track wonder why, because they kept doing the same thing, things haven't changed. Because it takes discipline to step into what God has for you. It means you've got to change how you've been operating. You see, we, we expect God to just come and go, poof, here it is. But you know what God says? Let's do this together. Let's do this together. We're going to step into what you have, but you're going to have to build your spiritual muscles to achieve what he has for you. 
Because the devil is going to come against you and he's going to try and steal it from you. And he's going to use people around you and situations around you. And he's going to put pressure on you. And he's going to push against you. Because he knows if you step into what, you, what God has for you, then you're going to start to shine and people are going to see Jesus through you. But I want to say to you today, grab a hold of the dream God has for you and hold on to it and stay disciplined. It's easy to get into the pity party. I can take you there right now if you really want. I can tell you how bad the last month has been in my life. I can tell you all the challenges I've been through. I can tell you how bad life is. Don't you wish we did that every Sunday or Monday and everything else? I've seen a daily message of how bad life is. Exactly, the world does enough of that because that's what it dishes up. And you can go there. But you know what? It takes a choice to go, that is not my life. My life is what God has for me. And I choose to be disciplined, to step into it and to focus on the promise, not the problem. Because when you focus on the problem, you get pulled down and the problem becomes bigger. When you focus on the promise... You find a way through the problem. Yeah? You've got to become solution-focused, not problem-focused. Because when you focus on your problem, you then focus on your weaknesses and where you lack and what you don't have, and you become this thing going round in the circle and round and round and round. And you're going, I'm in the same place. I can't seem to break out of the circle because you focused on the problem and you become focused on yourself. And you become this selfish, it's all about me, it isn't fair. I hate that song. I, I detest that song. I was okay with Shannon Noll until he re-released it. I thought, that was it, he's out of my life now. I enjoyed some of his music until that point. <laughs> it's before your time. <laughs> but I mean, he wasn't the first one to release it, it's been around before him. But I detest that song because that's what it's all about. It's all about all I see is the problems around me. I'm focused on them and you become selfish and inward focusing and all about you. And then you start to go back into all the bad habits and all the bad things in your life. And you become this self-involved person. You're the only one who can break that cycle. You are the only person who can break that cycle. And the first step is actually to go back to the vision God has for you. You know, I sat out here at 1 o'clock in the morning because I wasn't sleeping much last night after I dropped Dale off and got back home. And I don't, you know, the first couple of nights when Dale's away, I don't sleep that well. And God's speaking to me. And I actually went and pulled up the vision that God gave us 20 years ago. I had to go back through all the old files of my computer and go, I know it's in here somewhere. And I found a 10-year-old copy. And I pulled it up and it's interesting reading it and sort of going, wow, do I really identify with that? And I could feel in my spirit that it, God, God's word does not return, does not go void. But it accomplishes what it was sent for. It doesn't return without accomplishing what it went out to do. 
And I could feel it inside me and I thought, I've let go of so many aspects of this because life has beaten parts of it out of me. And I thought, I've got a choice here. I can either go, it's too hard, or I can buy back into what God wants to do. And so I printed it out. And I went back up to my room and was sitting on the lounge there and, and just reading through it and reading through what God said in the Word about it and, and sort of going, and I could feel an internal struggle within me. The battle between flesh and spirit. And my flesh going, how the heck is this ever going to happen? How are we ever going to step into what God said here? And my spirit going, you know what? Nothing's impossible for God. He's the God that can take a bunch of Israelites who are slaves and homeless and put them into a land that's so wealthy that it takes two people to carry a bunch of grapes. It's not me for a change. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the God we serve. That he can turn things in an instant. But that instant comes from being consistent, from being faithful, from taking on the challenges each day that take us towards the vision. So let me ask you, are you seeing yourself in context of problems and hopelessness and becoming self-involved and throwing your life away through constant bad decisions because all you see is the problems in front of you? Or are you focused on the vision he's placed within you? no matter how impossible it looks. And being consistent day in, day out, because it is day in, day out, hour in, hour out, to achieve the vision he has for you. It's the challenge every day. Because Satan is going to come every day and try and steal from you. And you know, like I can remember actually hearing a guy talking about healing, and you've probably seen this in your own life, and I don't know, I've seen it in my life, but you know, when you're face to face and God gave me the revelation about healing, it's like I've got this revelation and I see healing, but I'm feeling like my life is falling apart inside with sickness. Because Satan comes and he pushes and pushes. And there came a point in my life where I went, you know what? I don't care. I will keep declaring the goodness and the healing power of God. I'll do it from the pulpit. I'll do it in every conversation. I'll do it when I'm by myself, that I will only ever declare that God is a God of healing. And that was the point that Satan went, okay, I'm walking away. And healing came. Because in the worst moment, I would still declare my God is a healing God. And that's where you have to come through. That in the darkest hour, you can still stand up and say, my God is the God of the impossible. And this is the dream he has for me. Even though I can't see a way through, I still see that. I still see his plan. And so I discipline myself. Even in that darkest hour, I discipline myself to hold on to the dream to hold on to my God and say, he has a way through. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how impossible it looks, he has a way through. Because the dream looks good, doesn't it? The dream inside you looks really attractive. You want to be there now. 
It looks like that massive bunch of grapes that you could sit there and feast on all day, just one grape. (laughs) You know, the land is flowing with milk and honey. And yes, there is a giant in your land. But like Caleb said, we can take them. That's the easy part. The hard bit's going to be eating the grape. It's your choice. No one else can live your life for you. No one else is responsible for your actions except for you. And so I want to say to you, own up to who you are. Own up to the dream in front of you. Stop letting go of that vision and compromising and seeing yourself as you used to be. You're not a slave in Egypt anymore. You're not under the bondage of who you were before Jesus came into your life. You're not all your failures and all the times you've fallen apart and let go. All the times that you've sinned and messed up, that is not you. Because your old self has died with Christ. You've been crucified with him. So it's no longer you that lives, but him that lives in you. So it's a choice. Are you going to let him live in you or are you going to let you live in you? Your old, dead, stinking self, are you going to keep carrying that around and make that your life? Or are you going to let Christ live through you? And when the problems come, you go, God's got this. I always like to tell God he's got mail. You know, when bills come in and they're bigger than I can handle, God, you got mail. Because he said he'll supply my needs. That's his problem. Yeah? He put the dream inside me. It's his problem. I just need to discipline myself to do what he tells me to do. And that starts with reading your Bible every day. You know, reading through all the genealogies. I mean, I don't know, but yeah, there's a whole chapter in there. And I'm so, I'm, I said to God, what are you going here? You know, because the whole thing is about the 12 tribes of Israel all coming to the first sacrifice. And they all bring exactly the same thing. You know, the, the 12 teaspoons of gold and, and the bowl and the thing. And I'm reading this. And about the fifth one, I'm going, you know what, God, you could put this in two sentences. You could have gone, each of the tribes bought their, two, their spoons and their bowls, one after the other. This is the tribes in order. It would have been a paragraph, not a page or two pages. I'm going, God, what are you doing here? And he starts to speak me out of it, and I got real humble. He said to me, he said a couple of things you would understand here. He said, firstly, I see every person. I see every gift they bring. I see every sacrifice they make. I see every choice they make. And every single person is important to me. I went, ouch. And he says, you know, secondly, you go through and you keep reading through what they brought into the temple. He says, what a wealth transference. He says, because that stuff comes in and he says it got given to my Levites. 
the people that I appointed to minister before me, they got the benefit of every blessing coming through. And he says two things happened out of that. He says the Levites can look and say, look what God has done in blessing us and providing for us. But he says also, he says every single family, every single tribe can look down throughout history at what their family bought and go, that's my seed sown and I've got a harvest in there and I've got a heritage in God. So yeah, it's not a lot of fun going through sometimes reading the same thing over and over and over again. God has a plan in that, that he sees every part of your life. He knows every hair on your head. And he's thankful for people like Stuart who make life easy for him on that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you don't put marble benches on cheap, marble tops on cheap benches, right? (laughs) You know, but but he he knows every hair on your body. He knows every fiber of your being. Every single part of you is important to him. And when you come to him, he's overjoyed over it. It's actually, he's got books in heaven that record your every moment because it's precious to him. And we've got to start seeing ourselves in the context of a God who is overjoyed at your life. Who forgets every failing. Who's removed every record of every mess up in your life that it does not exist and sees you as holy, sees you as righteous, sees you as powerful, that has put within you the same power that God used at creation where he spoke stars into being. He sees you in that context of joy and goodness and says, my child, step into the dream I put in you. Walk it day in and day out until it manifests inside you. It's your choice. You can see yourself as God sees you or you can see yourself as the devil sees you. Because that Satan plan is for you to see yourself as you used to be. But God's plan is for you to see yourself as you are. He sees you equal with Jesus. The Father sees you as equal as Jesus. You're seated With Jesus, just like Jesus is sitting on a throne in heaven, you're right next to him as a co-heir equal. And everything in us goes, how can that be? It is because the Father says it is. That's why you're a co-heir with Christ. Everything Jesus has, you have in equal portion. I've said in some places that stone me but it's not what I'm saying that's what the Bible says about you so how can you not achieve what he has for you how can you not step into the vision he has for you how can you not step into the purpose he has for you and the blessing and the goodness 
But Jesus had challenges, didn't he? People didn't like Jesus. They wanted to stone him several times and they crucified him in the end. They got offended by him. They got upset with him. It's going to happen. But hold on to the vision and the purpose he has for you. Don't get offended. Don't get caught up in yourself. Keep your eye on the prize. The giants are there. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I really want to encourage you. When you step out of this place, step out saying, I'm going to be consistent. I'm consistently going to focus on what God has for me. I'm going to consistently every day be reading the Bible and praying and engaging in heaven. I'm going to consistently every day discover what God has for me to do today to achieve my vision. And I know there are giants there, but I know they're defeated. Because I believe that my God is greater. And then what he has me to do is going to pull those giants down. Yeah? Think about it. God destroyed Jericho. How? By them walking around and around and around. That's all they did. Didn't make sense at the time. But they won. They did. God had them do what they were able to do, not what they weren't able to do. And he will have you do what you're able to do, not what you can't do. He does the can't bit. Because he's the God of the impossible, yeah? Father, I want to thank you for every person here. I want to thank you that you have a dream, a plan and a purpose for each one of us that is greater, Lord, than any of us can do, greater than any of us can achieve. Father, forgive us where we've let a fence come in, where we've seen ourselves as we used to be, not as we are where we've let other people speak into our life, where we've been offended by other people stepping into their vision and plan and purpose. Father, we've let ourselves be sucked down into the world of the devil and of compromise and of letting go of the dream and living our old life. Father, forgive us. I pray renew your vision and your purpose and your plan within us. Help us to meditate on you and your goodness and to shine like you've called us to shine and be all that you made us to be, that people will look and say, they're the ones the Lord has blessed. I want to know your God. Father, we bless you. We honour you and we thank you tonight. Let's just stand together. I just want to take 30 seconds just to thank God for his goodness. Just thank him for his goodness. Just for 30 seconds, let's just, just speak out of your life. Thank God how good he is, Father. We thank you. We thank you how good you are. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you you are holy. Just speak it out. Just thank him for his goodness in your life. Thank you for the things that he has blessed you with. That you're standing here. Thank him that... He's got love for you. Thank you that he's cleansed you and washed you and made you pure. Thank you for his goodness in your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We honor you. We bless you. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. You are good. You are good. Thank you. You are good. You are good. We bless you. We honor you. We worship you. In the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said together, Amen. It is so.